Where's that, Jim? Bet. Bet. Become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. And I don't do the show alone. I also do it with Stephen the Bob Culture Zealot. Hey, what's happening? Hello, Stephen. Hello. We also have here Mulberry Bill, the Mulberry Historian. Hello, governors. Hello, Bill. How's it smashing to have you with us today? And, uh, hey, it's Entertainment Landfill, and we talk about film, television, pop culture, or whatever we want to, because it's our show, right? We can talk about whatever we want to. But I want to start off the show, first of all, by thanking Bill and Steven for joining me for 10 years doing this show. Holy cow. This is yeah. basically, we did the first Nowhere Mulberry and the second Nowhere Mulberry in August of 2005. So if my math is correct, it's been about 10 years. Am I right? 10 years. Ten. Jeez. Wow. 10 long years. <laughs> and... I got to tell you, we've been pretty productive. We put out a lot of hours of sh- podcasting. Yeah, a ton. You know, a shit ton, as they say. <laughs> There's some people, you know, they cheat and they do the, you know, one episode 101 or, you know, and then they, next the next year they'll do 202. We actually put out hundreds of episodes. Oh, you mean like, um. It's like season 2.1, like 2.2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, one one oh one is season one and then two oh two two oh one is season two or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that would just confuse the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's been really cool. Um we can talk about that quite a bit here that um in two thousand five, you know, we started the podcast. I know it's changed a lot. You know what's funny is um Basically, what I used to do is watch all these shows, make clips, edit out drops, and do all that. And I haven't done that in a while. You, you would know. spend entire Thursdays and even Fridays preparing Thursdays that Fridays, stuff. Yeah. I would spend all day Friday working up until the show doing uh, the clips and the intro and all that. Lost and, clips, whatever else. And cut to uh, however many years later, nine years later, uh, and I was just like, maybe I don't need to do that anymore because it takes a lot of work. And I like the idea of it's just hitting uh, record and going. You know what I mean? Like That's what just, we started as. Yeah, just hitting record and us talking. 
And uh, there's a place, I mean, do I need to ever make a new drop? I don't know, maybe, but I have 8,000 drops, so maybe well, I you, don't. <laughs> if, you, if you see something you just can't live without. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I pretty much, you know. uh, in the time of doing the Warren Mulberry up to Entertainment Landfill, uh, as I would do intros and have clips from favorite movies and stuff, a lot of them I found things that I wanted right. over time. Eventually, you know, uh, you run out of that desire of looking for the perfect drop. <laughs> but we've got plenty, don't you guys think? We would watch some inane shit to find that perfect drop. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like if you're watching something currently that it's, hey, that'd be a perfect one. Would you do it? Like, would you make it? Well, yeah, if I heard something that I like. Now, for instance, okay, I want to say this. And this is important that I get this out of the way, because I doubt there's anyone curious, but this is just for me to say, uh, I haven't been watching MasterChef, I haven't been watching The Strain, I haven't been watching Defiance, I haven't been watching any shows that we usually cover on the show. Uh, there, There was a premiere of a new Walking Dead show, Fear of the Walking Dead, did not watch that. I just honestly... I haven't had the urge to watch uh, shows lately. You know, yeah, same I, here. I, I've watched uh, some documentaries. I've watched a movie. I've watched uh, the Clone Wars. Tr- trying to finish that off. <laughs> I finally finished season five today, and there's one season left of thirteen episodes. But um, it's, it's something inside me has changed my desire of watching uh bad reality shows and finding funny drops has uh, i realized this this is when i realized that i'm not the same anymore i I have no desire to do that anymore uh a week ago there was a uh, wife swap on uh saturday night i think or uh, no 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 it's like thursday wednesday or thursday night um and Corey feldman and Tommy Davidson were the wife swappers, okay? What? Yeah, Tommy, Tommy Davidson in Living Color Guy? Yes, and he had a wife, and Corey Feldman wasn't even married. He had a girlfriend, and he also has Corey's Angels, where he has a group of uh, women who slink around his house in lingerie, and they sign a contract with him where he'll help them with their career as long as they abide by these rules. One of that them is, is the world's worst contract. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is for them to uh, be vegan. They can only eat vegan in the house. And Corey Feldman's Because he doesn't want to harm anything but their career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love it. His girlfriend was like, I'm not even vegan. I'm fruitarian. <laughs> and I was she like, only eats fruit? She only eats fruit. And I was Is like, she diabetic? Wouldn't you die if you only eat fruit? Because or, or, yeah. vegetables have um, the nutrients you need and the protein. But you can't only eat fruit. <laughs> That's impossible. But the whole episode was rich with insane clips and drops, and I was just like, "Eh, I have no desire to relive this in any way. That's torture. I don't have it in me anymore, guys. I I don't want to disappoint anybody, but I don't think that it's going to happen anymore. I don't think 
the Well, intros. never say never. Yeah, I won't say never, but I will say I thought about for our 10th anniversary show. Say, say this isn't our 10th anniversary show, and we do one in September when the show actually went up on a feed, and I was like, I'll do an intro like I used to and all that. It, it The drive has left me. <laughs> I have no drive to do it, you know? I but I the desire to talk to you guys about the stuff we do will never leave me though. I love doing that. The fact I crave that can, it and I hate when I have to miss it. The fact that I can just hit record and you, Steven and I can just talk about whatever. Yeah. The box truck is basically a refrigerator. If you leave it running, it's you know, refrigerated box truck. It'll be cold in there. Well, yeah. I mean, the other night Natalie was watching uh, the Last Man on Earth, and there's a scene where he comes into the room. It's like I've ran out of all the things to watch on my DVR. Can I borrow yours? And she's like, Yeah, but it's just Cake Boss. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, a DVR with nothing but Cake Boss. What do you mean, just Cake Boss? That's really all anyone needs. They're Cake Bossitarian. Oh, that is true. A cakeitarian. A cakeitarian. I don't eat cake. A velastratarian. Velastratarian. <laughs> I've noticed his show hasn't come back in like over a year. Is everything okay in Buddyland? What's going on there? Yeah, I've got no idea what's going on there. I'm sure. I, I, I'd I like it was to know. Coming I'm... back this season. I thought something oh. was going on. Are they bringing Remy back? <laughs> I thought I saw I an advertisement for it. You know, <laughs> oh, don't it, never it, say never. <laughs> but it's, it'll probably get cut, and they'll, eh, nobody's interested. I just remember whenever we were like, I think we were starting to fade out on the cake boss thing, and then he started showing up in like grocery stores with massive cutouts of him holding a cake or something, and we were yeah. just like, wow, this has gotten out of hand. Yeah. You know what I get tired of, Bill? When it's getting... Uh, I know Fear the Walking Dead just started, but I've already seen the articles where it says that uh, Norman Reedus says that... Or the guy who plays Glenn, this is going to be the darkest season yet. And I'm just oh. like, kiss my ass. No one's safe. <laughs> it's always <laughs> the same shit every off season. I'm so tired of it. Tired of it. Just no, I think that tired it is pretty much sums <laughs> it up. You don't even have the energy to form complete sentences when I've, it comes to The Walking Dead. I read this article today, Bill. The Walking Dead to show airline zombie attack in standalone special episode. It says, what if an episode of The Walking Dead was set on a passenger airline before civilization had fallen? That's basically what AMC is planning in a highly unusual, if not totally unprecedented, new special that's set and unnecessary the <laughs> of the hit drama's companion series, Fear the Walking Dead. EW has exclusively learned AMC is producing a half-hour special that will tell a standalone story. Half-hour? Uh, why even bother? It'll be online, yeah. It'll be online content <laughs> only. So technically it's 20 minutes. When they just said half hour, I seriously, I just lost interest in the story. I just had no desire to read further. That's, I hope they got Wesley Snipes and Halle Berry for it. Always bet on black. <laughs> oh, uh, I was quoting a movie, guys, just so you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Thank God for that. 
But I'm just saying, I'm so sick of the Walking Dead stories leading up to a season. Like, uh, things are going to get bad for our group of our people. heroes. They're it's not. Like, they're not bad enough already. <laughs> yeah, hasn't it been like that since the show began? Yeah. It's so going to get real dark. Dead. You mean You're the end of civilization good. isn't quite dark enough? I want to see this headline: Rick will make a sandwich this season, and I'm like, ooh, what, <laughs> what kind? What kind of sandwich? Oh, we're going to have to tune in to kind of <laughs> they, they 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 hole up in a bread factory, and it's all about what you can do with bread. Carl learns the to walking make, bread. Carl makes. <laughs> Carl learns to make pasta from know. scratch on this season. <laughs> it's like a cooking in the. Uh, Glenn makes a club sandwich. <laughs> club sandwich, yum. Mm-hmm. That he uses as a club. It's a gigantic club sandwich. You know what? It's there's, like, there's like one of those eight foot footlongs from Subway. It's funny because we get Star Wars news all the time now. Some Star Wars news excites me. Others, I'm like, who gives a shit? Okay? <laughs> it's like there. It's you, you have to pick and choose. Like, first of all, the the Star Wars thing that showed up this week of the uh, their Vine, the Star Wars Vine. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, that's awesome. You know? Oh it's, yeah, the uh, the little clip of uh, John Boyega. Yes. It, yeah. it's just, and you know I was waiting for him to piece. slice through an eye glowing gorilla. An eye glowing gorilla. From Attack the Block. Still never seen that movie. I will never Really get, I will oh. never get any references to that movie, so <laughs> Eye Glowing Gorilla. What is this Bill talking about? <laughs> yeah. So anything gorilla related. At first I thought you were being racist, but uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> when I said okay. it, I thought maybe they, very maybe racist, but that. okay, Bill, go, go for that. <laughs> All right, you live in Ohio; that makes sense. <laughs> Bill's, your, Bill's, your neighbor flies a Confederate flag. Okay. I see you've learned to hate in your time. In yes. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, your I, bigotry have me has made you strong. I All have right. heard that it's taught. It's not. Uh, you know, yeah. you're not born with it, so okay. I, I blame my father. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, it was funny because you told me this. It's funny because you'll see the same news all day long. Oh, and it constantly. Was like, Kylo Ren is not Sith. <laughs> yeah, it was all. It was. I think I was like, it was like eight or nine o'clock at night. And I'm just sitting there, and I was just so tired of going through my Facebook feed and seeing that over and over again. I finally messaged you, hey, Kylo, Kylo Ren's not a Sith. I and in like, case what? you weren't sure, Wait, he what, Sith what? he is not. What's this He's, about him not being Sith? I must know more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to know more? No, actually. I must know more. It's, it's so... It's, they'll... They turn every little bit into news when it's not news. And yeah. I, I finally found myself this week actually unfollowing a lot of, like, the entertainment uh, yeah. feeds on um, – because I was just tired, not only of the Star Wars stuff, but there was something today on the AV Club. Oh, I, kn- I know what it was. It had to do with the guy that wrote and directed um, – it follows uh-huh. answering Quentin Tarantino saying that uh, it follows wasn't a wasn't as great as it could have been or something. 
And it was one of those clickbaits where, like, the first line of the article made it sound like Quentin Tarantino said it was the worst movie of the year. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I I don't appreciate that. I don't find that uh, to click. It lacks all integrity to do that. And it pissed me off. And I just I unliked uh, the AV club because I'm just tired of that shit. I see things like, I forget what it was, but so-and-so slams so-and-so, and and you're like, oh, let me click on this. And they don't slam anything. They're just like, well, you know, I think that if you looked at it from this point of view, that uh, people could take it this way. Oh, it. They only ever do it in that first line to get you to click it. Yeah, I hate it. You know, I follow Polygon and IGN and realize it's too many on Facebook because I will see, like, Kylo Ren is a Sith twice, you know, on my feed. I'm like, I saw it at least seven times. Uh, Yeah, it's like, dude, I I get it. I get it, okay? You know, thanks a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Can you now please tell me what the first order is? Like, because that was the other thing this week was, you know, what exactly is the first order? And it was over and over and over again. I read this article by Drew McWinney about like, I'm just not that excited about Star Wars this time. And he explains that while he's excited through his children because they're super excited, he talks about when The Phantom Menace was coming out, how he did everything he could to find out all information, all the leaks, all the spoilers. He read the screenplay. He uh, he read the screenplay aloud while listening to the Star Wars score by John Williams. Wow. then when the course when the film came out, he was very disappointed. But I would, I wonder this. I can understand. Like I, you know, of course we we wanted to see Phantom Menace very bad. Uh, but what is that desire to read the screenplay before the movie comes yeah. out? I don't. Yeah, get I've it. never had that. He even no. said he Drew McWeenie says that I've had lots of leaks sent to me. People sending me plot points and stuff like that. But I have not read it this time. I have no desire to. I'm just going to see the film fresh. And I understand that. I like, for instance, that they showed... I don't mind that they showed John Boyega with a lightsaber. I think that's cool. Uh, But all they did was show him ignite it. We know nothing about it. Yeah, we don't know if he's a Jedi. We don't know if he's a Jedi, how he gets it. I mean... Maybe he's using it as a nightlight. It could be like... you know. Like, show the clip of (laughs) Han Solo with Luke's lightsaber and Empire Strikes Back and go... If they would have showed that in the teaser, people would have been like, Han becomes a Jedi too! Oh my god! You know, He's always had the Force! Yeah, That's why he's such a great pilot! And then you watch the movie and go, oh, he just slices a Tauntaun open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought these things smelled bad on the outside. Or something like that. But, um... It would be funny if he like ignites it and then hands it to another character. Yeah. Oh, thanks, you know. But and no. then accidentally cuts off the other character's hand. <laughs> and I've seen a couple of uh, racist comments too. Yeah, we're not gonna. It seems like it's getting worse. Yeah, I and I don't know if that's what's going on with our society at large right now. It seems like even, we're kind of under a race war mentality. It's kind of sad, but one it's, of the build. Uh, it wasn't even clever. It was like. Is this Star Wars or Star Bros? <laughs> I was like, that's oh. not even clever. It's not wow. even clever. Star I think that Bros. person deserves an award for <laughs> for that one. That's just that's so lame. It deserves recognition. 
here's here's something cool though. Hideo Kojima, who you know the guy who created Metal Gear, hangs out with J.J. Abrams. Oh, that must mean they're gonna do a Metal Gear Solid movie together. There's a picture of he gave J.J. a signed copy of the new Metal Gear game, and he's hanging out with BB-8. To, cool to what? Uh, yeah, JJ looked at it. What? what what's this? <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's a gamer, he knows what Metal Gear is. I'm going to say he knows what it is. Oh, I would hope. Well, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Metal Gear. I'm I've never JJ. read him to be a gamer. I remember when Steven Spielberg said he was a gamer at uh, one of the E3s and revealed that Boom Blocks game. <laughs> We're like, oh. Okay. I think, no, I think JJ's a gamer. I remember the story of him and Greg Grunberg would sit up all night playing. Oh yeah, that's right, Mario and whatever. That's awesome. <laughs> remember, we're not special as gamers. Everybody is now. No, we're yeah. Everybody's a gamer. You know, In fact, was, I was reading Natalie this- yells at me for not playing games with her. Like I just can't I, anymore. I can't sit down and concentrate on something. My mo- I've got so much shit floating around in my head from schoolwork and stress and all that that I haven't really sat down to play anything. She's like, "What are we going to play some games?" Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, that. "Well, it's it's right there. You can you can play." <laughs> like I just yeah. Sometimes you have to just force yourself to uh, sit down and have fun. Yeah, I I can't wait for next Tuesday, Mad Max. I've uh, I've got a pre order to oh, pick it I'm up so at excited. midnight from Best Buy. You know what's so funny is you know I'd watched a couple of twitches of uh, people. You know, it was like a company-sponsored thing, playing Mad Max for an hour and talking about it. And I'd get all excited. But today, I noticed on the thing that people were playing Mad Max. And I was like, that doesn't come out until Tuesday. And I clicked on it. And I watched it for a while. And then the the thing went dark. And people were laughing that the guy got banned because... I'm sure he did. Yeah, you're not supposed to play a game until it's launched. Yeah, it locks out your system. Yeah, I thought that was funny. But I can't wait to play it, though. I'm yeah, and I, I'm Max. looking forward to it. Natalie's looking forward to it, too, because the Mad Max series are her favorite movies. So that and Big Trouble in Little China. So if they come up with a Big Trouble in Little China game, she'll be all <laughs> over that, too. Sweet. I just can't wait to be Max driving around the wasteland, battling. and you know. Yeah, I've only watched bits gas. and pieces of the gameplay and been really impressed with it. Get so. a load of that. I'm kind of going into it. It's a, I'm a little virgin on it, so I'm I'm excited to first put it in and just lose myself in it. It'll be the first game I've done that in a while. I tried hey, with fella, Batman Arkham turkey, you know uh, <laughs> Arkham Knight, and I just couldn't. I was so bored after probably ten, twelve hours that I ended up giving up. I got halfway through the main story mission, was just like, oh, ponderous. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I, mean, I know people love it. They think it's it's great, but maybe I... I mean, I played through Arkham... Uh, what was the first one? Arkham, Arkham Asylum? City. Oh, yeah, Arkham Asylum, then Arkham City. And I did Arkham City also, but I didn't play Arkham Origins because I know that was from a different developer, but this one, I'm just... I, you know what it is? I think there's too much. Like, it's just... It gets to be overwhelming to the point where you're you're gliding around the city and then it's like oh a mission alert for this one or a mission alert for that one and i was just like i just don't i can't anymore i just can't yeah, so maybe i'll go back to it eventually. i think you have to be in the right mindset to sit down and do those because i know that mad max is very mission oriented it's got a huge map 
there's all sorts of places to drive, but the yeah, way- but it's a new world. Yeah. Whereas, like, the, the Arkham games is just the same thing over and over again. City, rain, zipline, gliding, punching, kicking. Right. You know, I'm, I'm excited to get into a new, you know, IP, a new waste, world, a new wasteland. experience. Yeah, I love the idea of scavenging for shotgun shells and dog food and gasoline. Absolutely. You know, ever since I saw Road Warrior, I was like, oh, I want to live like that. Of course, you know, I don't. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to fantasize no, 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 no. like living in that world. The car, <laughs> the way you can upgrade the car and stuff, it's awesome. And you have this weird guy that rides in the car. In your trunk. You. His name is Chum Bucket, and he'll like fire the weapons and grappling things to other cars as you're battling. So you drive the car, but you use the shoulder buttons to aim and fire the weapons you cycle through them with a d-pad like you can or you can shoot flames out the side of your car you can also put spikes and stuff on it but you can put hood ornaments and rear ornaments on your car where you could ram things and cause damage but also the it's the coolest thing max's shotgun is super overpowered in the game but you only have a certain amount of shells if a guy jumps on your car you can go boom and just blow him off kill him instantly but when you're doing hand-to-hand combat and you're fighting, you can just go pull out your gun and go and just blow them away, you know? <laughs> and it's pretty cool. But some of the moves that Max does, they say, you know, the more you work on your melee moves and stuff, he starts doing, like, wrestling moves and stuff. And <laughs> nice. snaps necks, snaps limbs, you know, can break arms and legs. But also you can shiv guys, you can collect shivs, and you stab them in the base of the skull and stuff. Uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what What else is coming out that's kind of piqued my interest is uh, Disney Infinity 3.0, and it's all Star Wars. Yeah, I saw that. And it's all those, those little Star Wars Infinity characters. That's dangerous. That's like super dangerous territory for I me. Was- I... I was watching a Twitch of that, too, and I was like, I, I would play this. Yeah, and then you, you pay, like, 15 bucks for each one of those little figurines, and it's. I got into the first one, and I think I collected probably around, like, 30 characters, and now they're just sitting in a grocery bag somewhere, <laughs> uh, you know, like, on, on a shelf in the corner of the basement. I think I'd so, want to play as Ahsoka because of her twin lightsabers. Yeah. It's just awesome. Because on the show, she's a badass fighter, so I'd want to... Well, I love that they have, you know, they have the Clone Wars characters, but then they have the uh, Star Wars Rebels characters. Yeah. Along with the Star Wars Rebels Darth Vader that looks like the Macquarie Vader, so... Yeah, don't you love... uh, You know, I've read some people don't like it, but I do, how the lightsabers are super skinny, like almost like foils. I think that's brilliant. I think it's really cool. You know, it's it shouldn't be chunky. It's a freaking laser sword. Yeah. I saw your laser sword, Mr. Qui-Gon. You Jedi or something. What's a midichlorian? It's like, why does he say laser sword? It's a lightsaber. It's a freaking lightsaber. I think George was sitting there going, well, they don't really... We don't know what they are. We'll just call them laser swords. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite thing about George Lucas, not to go on a George Lucas, (laughs) when in interviews he says Naboo and then later he says Naboo 
or he'll say shmi, and then later he'll say shmi. It's like, I don't know, know how to say these things. I just make he, them up. He didn't write that. <laughs> he didn't write it. <laughs> he didn't write it. I We're blaming it. the wrong man. My theory is he got his son, Jet, to write all the Star Wars movies. I have a feeling that's what it was, too. <laughs> But um, but also, Mad Max comes out on Blu-ray on Tuesday, too. Or he got John Travolta's son, Jet, to write it. I think that's what it really was. Oh, Bill. What? You went <laughs> I too, know. Far. too far. I know. Wow. Always one step. Yeah, boo. Mad Max on Blu-ray. Woohoo! Doesn't that get a boo, Steven? Boo. No, don't, don't, don't pow on. I'm sensitive. Fool <laughs> <laughs> this man! <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's not good, Bill. <laughs> but as not, I was saying, or, or if we're going to do a DVD section, I don't want to mention this. Just forget I said what I said. No, it's fine. We can talk about it. Uh, no, it's too late. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I, I want to talk about a documentary that I saw that you provided for me, Bill, and it's Canon, the Canon Electric Boogaloo documentary. Yes. It's the story of Canon Films, and it is awesome. It's, yeah, it really is well done. It's so well edited in uh, stuff. And I love that they really they got really deep into like what the appeal was, where these guys came from, their business model, and how they just completely screwed the pooch. One thing that I liked about it, you know, as a kid watching the Canon films, as soon as I saw Canon films, I knew the film was terrible. Like, yeah. if you watched, like, an American Ninja, you knew it sucked, yeah. but you watched it anyway and kind of laughed at it, you know? Michael Dudikoff! I love when they get into Ninja th- uh, 3, The Domination, though. Oh, they, yeah. They talk about, it. it's like, The Exorcist crossed with Flashdance crossed with a ninja movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And it, I love how they talk about Menachem Golan, or he would say, uh... Okay, here's what I want. Uh, she It's a Flashdance girl. She gets possessed by a ninja. <laughs> you know, and they're like, okay, okay. It just his wild pitches for movies were hilarious. Yeah, he, he's, he was notorious for that, where they would just throw shit out there. And they would get, like, the name of a movie before they even had an idea of a movie. Yeah. And just sell. sell the name. They would sell, yeah, like... I don't know, like, they would sell Death Wish, too, you know, and not have... You, they would just... They would go to, like... A, a story idea, but not a yeah, script or Yeah, and they would, they would go with art, too. They would have, like, a poster already made. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. There was footage to this weird journey to the center of the Earth, and it looked like it had the kid from Weird Science in it that was yeah. never finished. <laughs> and it's it's... What was it? It was their last unfinished film that they had sunk probably their most amount of money into yeah it was never finished i felt sorry for the effects guy for uh, superman the quest for peace oh god because at first the budget was like what was it, like 17 million and they lowered it to like four million <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the oh the i remember watching that and just thinking wow what happened i honestly have still never seen superman 4 I've really, yeah, wow, yeah, don't, just don't. No, I've never sat through it. I think I've been afraid to. 
because it looks horrendous. You're afraid of nuclear man. Yes, yes. I am. Nuclear man's hair oh. scares me more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they were in the film. They talk about it like how they got a Chippendale model. Yeah, like to play nuclear man. Yeah, this guy would be great. It's funny how they'll. Uh, I liked uh, when he, Michael Dudikoff, who played American Ninja, he's like he's like the next James Dean. <laughs> I love the way he would sell things, and then Michael Dudikoff, poor Michael Dudikoff, he's like, yeah, and oh I kept God, saying, yeah. when are we gonna are we gonna do another movie? We're we gonna do something else. He goes, oh, just be very patient, okay? Be patient, and like, I guess they never got back to him, did they? Yeah, poor Dudikoff. You could see the hurt in his eyes, like that he trusted this wheeler dealer, used car salesman type of filmmaker. And I thought, thought he had screen presence. He he totally had screen presence. He totally could have been like a TV star. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he could have played. He could have played the you know the Wait, the remake did. of the Greatest American Hero. Wait, he, Michael Dudikoff yeah. had some show where he drove a car or something. Uh, did he? I think so. I'm going to have to look up on IN. Was it like a Knight Rider? It, it was kind of like that. It was like he um, drove like a uh, like a Corvette or something. You know what I'm talking about, Steven? Does that sound familiar? Vague. Let's see. Familiar. Uh, he did, of course, American Ninja and stuff. But um, I'm did gonna... he do? Who was the one that did? Uh, um, shoot, uh, the one with the uh, the the pommel horse. That's Jim Cotta. Ah. But that wasn't him. No. No. Let's see. American Ninja, the first one came out in 1985. And I'm trying to see when he did it. He did a TV show called Cobra. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. That was in the 90s. And let's see the picture. Uh, They don't have art for it. (laughs) That's not good. That's too bad. Uh, him and James Tolkien, who is also a great actor, you know, that bald guy. Oh, it was Mr. Strickland from B- Back to the Future. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a Stephen J. Cannell show. Oh, yeah, I see. He drew. He drove like a Corvette, like a top uh, uh, convertible Corvette. Or something like that. Like a... Robert Scandal Jackson is an ex-Navy SEAL who went AWOL after refusing to blow up an enemy command center housing civilians. Oh, he drove a Cobra. Oh, yeah, he did drive a Cobra. Oh, here's an intro, but it's so quiet, I can't hear it. Let's see if this... watching this show yeah so do i and what's funny is he even wore like a, a red jacket he like he was looking like james dean on purpose or something you know but um this was one of those syndicated shows like on channel 21 or something yeah. wasn't it remember like when right around would, the time of hercules and xena yeah they would have like this string of like uh do you remember when they also did a syndicated like Smokey and the Bandit show with a guy? Oh God, yeah. Oh, and it wow. uh, yeah. it would show like in the same. They would show Xena, Hercules, and sometimes they'd show Smokey and the Bandit, Pensacola, Wings of Gold. Yeah, shows yeah. like that. This was one of those kind of shows. What was the one with the cops on the uh, the uh, the bikes? They were like uh, mountain bike cops on the beach. Yeah, I don't remember that. I know remember. I do remember that. Um, God, what was that? I remember Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. Is that, 
That was different. No, there was, no there was this was different. They, they were on mountain bikes on the beach. Yep. Was it? I can't. Was it even Florida? Maybe. Oh, well, uh, oh uh, were they be, Malibu? Malibu Pacific Blue. Pacific, Pacific Blue. Uh, yeah. Well, it would. They be were on like the, beach. That'd cops be California. Who yeah. wore shorts and stuff? Yeah. Who? Why is that a good idea for a show? <laughs> Yeah, Why was Baywatch wait. about lifeguards? Yeah. Why was that a good show? Well, that works. You just show a bunch of bikini girls, I guess. Well, you're on the beach with cops. So I know, they but can you can't see. look cool in shorts, you know, like <laughs> as a cop wearing the bike helmet, you know? <laughs> Got the padded seat pa- uh, bike pants. But uh, everyone, if you get a chance to watch that uh, Electric Boogaloo, the story of Canon Films, it is one of the funniest documentaries I've ever seen. Oh my God! When they get into Sharon Stone in the uh, Alan Quartermain movies, <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, "Who? What did he? See? He wanted the stone. He wants the stone lady." The and stone, even that, the stone Natalie girl. went, "Oh, uh, um, romancing the stone." And then they're like, "They get Sharon Stone." Yeah, they catch <laughs> they're like, Sharon "Who Stone. is this woman?" He literally <laughs> said, "Who the f is this lady?" And they go, it's <laughs> the Stone Girl. It's like, no, no, the stone, romancing the stone. They're like, oh, Kathleen Turner. (laughs) And in uh, Sharon Stone's defense, she still looks like Sharon Stone. Kathleen Turner does not look the same. (laughs) Kathleen Turner, yeah. I think Manaham Golan was a little stuck on uh, ideas and not on actual... Like when he was like, oh, I just saw Romancing the Stone. Let's make that movie again. You know, he just wanted to make the same movie he just saw, you know? Yeah. And I forgot that Canon Films was actually responsible for Life Force. Yeah. The the Toby Hooper... uh, God, that movie. I gotta say, though, that that is one of the most interesting films that they probably ever produced. Yeah, I but mean, again, they, it's one of those movies that just has it the tone is all over the place. Yeah, but it's so it's well made. The effects are actually good. They made so yeah. many shitty movies. They should be proud of Life Force. <laughs> you know, they should. All the other movies. Be. I could I was shocked to realize that he directed Delta Force himself. Yeah. That's what cracked me up. I was like, "Holy shit, he directed that?" And as we're watching the clips of it, and when you think back to it, you're going, of course he directed it. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like, of course. It makes complete sense now. So funny. There's so many I also love that they talked about what a, what a hack Michael Winner is. Uh, uh, the, or Wiener, my, the guy that did the Death Wish 2 and 3. Oh, yeah. And what an asshole he was to everyone on set and how he would just overindulge in these odd rape fantasies. Yeah, he would have these very like disturbing rape scenes and I couldn't believe it was uh Deanna Troy in the movie. Yeah. Totally nude and uh she was like topless laying on a mattress cold and she said, "Could I have a blanket or something?" He was like, "No." Don't give her anything. <laughs> They're like, why? She needs to be in the scene and be a victim or whatever. And it's just like, well, you're an asshole. Yeah, these guys were, they were really insane. Totally. At least uh, uh, Golan was. Uh, uh, Globus was more the business guy. Yeah, and just they just kept spending money. They just kept spending money. Yeah, and then MGM had the genius idea to distribute their films. Yeah, and that worked out really well for them. 
my favorite is when they were making Masters of the Universe, and uh, <laughs> it's you know they never watched the cartoon of He Man. No, they just had no idea what they were getting into, and I, I love that Dolph Lundgren was like, "Yeah, I felt a little silly making it," you know. <laughs> and then they were like, Sylvester Stallone was on set, and he's like, "You're gonna have that guy say lines? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah, that guy's gonna talk." <laughs> I love the idea. Here's another movie I have to admit I've never actually sat through and watched. And it wasn't because, oh no, maybe I had no desire to, or maybe I just never wanted to sit still and watch it. I've never actually watched Over the Top with Oh my God. <laughs> I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah, too many times. And the yeah, and they were like, you're going to make a movie about arm wrestling? He's like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, it's like, I. I I can't even tell you how jealous I was in third grade when one of my friends for Christmas got that over-the-top arm wrestling set. <laughs> there was like this plastic thing with the handles and then the pads that whenever you hit the pad, it had a, a trigger on it that you know registered that your arm went down. Like I was so jealous of it. And I, they were talking about how bad it flopped. But right. in in certain territories, the marketing was brilliant uh, because it, it worked on on certain kids. Yeah, it just, just wasn't a huge hit. Yeah, I I remember it coming out and seeing commercials. I assumed I don't think I was on top of like box office prowess or anything. Uh, you know, because we're at a certain age where we didn't care about that kind of stuff really. Uh, but. Um, I assumed it was a hit movie or something. I ass- I pretty yeah, sure same I here. saw it in the theater. I just thought it's funny because on the commercial you just see Stallone going like, <laughs> doing that crooked mouth <laughs> thing. He, as he's- when he goes to arm wrestling, he turns the hat. That's yeah. the switch. Uh-huh. Turn it on. And then they had the horrible song by <laughs> Kenny Loggins, right? Yeah, and produced and directed by uh, Manaham Golan. So. Yes, he directed. <laughs> and how much did he pay Stallone for that? Like twelve million or something? Yeah, it was. No, they said it was twenty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was like he threw away so much money because he wanted it to say Sylvester Stallone does a canon film. Well, and he also had uh, uh, Giorgio Moroder do the uh, the score. <laughs> so I mean, come on! He threw money at it like it was going out of style. What's funny is because they talked about the their biggest, their really big hit that was on accident was um, Breakin', Breakin', the first yeah. Breakin' film. It like took off. They somehow got into breakdancing right when it was going insane and they and somehow they didn't mess with breaking enough to kind of dilute the message yeah it was just kind of a a happy accident it's a very innocent film you know and uh then breaking two came out and they just like it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I love. There's there's a couple really wonderful deadpan lines that Shabadu says, like where he was so embarrassed that they were actually involved in Breaking Two, like he has yeah. no idea what happened. Yeah, uh, he did seem genuinely embarrassed. Yeah, he was very displeased with Breaking Two. I I was trying to. I was. My dad doesn't remember any of this, but we saw. I believe. A sneak preview of the Karate Kid when uh, in the theater Breakin was showing in. 
And, oh. And I believe either we watched Breaking First or we went to see Karate Kid. And then when it was over, you know, the next showing was Breaking. So we stayed and watched Breaking. But I remember seeing Breaking in the movie theater. <laughs> And oh, it's an excellent film, you guys! Come on! I can. T- oh, it's I, awful, I, but it's I'm a cult sure classic. I've never seen that one. I always thought the girl in it was super hot. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Breaking came out in 1984. Wasn't it the same girl that was in American Ninja Three or something? <laughs> yes, or? yes. <laughs> Lucinda Dickey. Lucinda Dickey. Basically, uh, Monacum really liked her, so he put her in. She's in Breakin', Breakin' 2, Ninja 3, The Domination, and uh, I'm sure I could see more uh, stuff. Or maybe she wasn't in that many movies after the canon. No, I think... (laughs) That was it? Yeah. It says... Ruined her career. She was in Grease 2, Breakin', Ninja 3, The Domination, Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo, Bloody Pom Poms, and then an episode of Perry Mason. Oh... Oh, 1990. The the reboot of Perry Mason. She didn't go back in time and and appear in Perry Mason. I think she stopped acting. That's probably for the best. Yeah. I just think it's funny, though, how uh, the actors and stuff talked about that. (laughs) It's just a great documentary. I watched another documentary. But also, you have to you have to add that at the end, like the, the, the kicker is. The guy that m- made it, this Hartley, who made that uh, the Ozploitation film, uh, he contacted uh, the Canon Films people to be involved in the, the documentary. And when they found out, they went off and made their own. Yes. And they <laughs> wanted to release it before them. The funniest thing about the whole thing is that there's a part where you know, it was Golan and Globus who do mm-hmm. Canon. They had a falling out and they separated and <laughs> they both made competing Lombada movies. There was Lombada set the night on fire. And then there was their forbidden dance yeah. Lombada or something. Right. Yeah. Well, they were making it at the same time, trying to beat each other, the theaters and they both released on the same day, competing with each other. <laughs> and so Lombada and uh, The Forbidden Dance both came out the same day. And, and The uh, Forbidden Dance is the one that actually got the Lombada song. Yes. they had So Lombada actually, had nothing to do with any Lombada. Yeah, and it's so funny. The guy was like, and they didn't realize, you guys, you're really just cutting your box office in half because nobody's going to see two Lombada movies on the same yeah. day. <laughs> they're going to go. They're going to go to the theater and go. Yeah, I'm here for the Lombada double feature. Like yeah. when you just can't get enough Lombada. But they were that crazy competitive that they had to do that. That was hilarious. They're just crazy characters. They they're, really were. And there's a lot of nudity in that documentary too. Yeah, all their I forgot. Early films. I honestly forgot how much, you know, nudity was in canon films. Well, like you said, Life Force, she walked around nude the entire film. Yeah, that is Yeah, Matilda May. And I completely forgot about Toby Hooper's remake of... uh, Invaders uh, from Mars. Invaders from Mars. Oh, my God. What a terrible movie that is. Oh, God. I mean... There was a great line... train wreck. ...about how Manaham Golan 
confused in- Invaders from Mars and <laughs> another movie in production. It was it. It was Invaders of Mars, and was it? Um, it I think it was Alan Quartermain. Because he's like, he was like, what? Why do they look like that? There was like two women, and he was like, I realized that he thought they were supposed to be two aliens. He thought he was watching Invaders from Mars dailies. He was watching <laughs> Alan Quartermain dailies, and he didn't realize it. It's so funny. Yeah, it was. It was really a wonderful watch. I'm. I'm glad I was able to finally find it because it's not. It still doesn't have a release date, to my knowledge here in the States. I'm hoping it pops up on Netflix. Because, come on, Netflix gets all the documentaries eventually, yeah. right? Yeah. And I watched a documentary on Netflix this week, and you had actually seen it before, Bill, and it's called Winnebago Man. Yes. And it's all about uh, the viral video that I'm sure, Stephen, you've seen yeah. it, of the guy making the Winnebago, Winnebago video and just cussing throughout it. Sort of one of the first viral videos because it was viral before there was really there was no YouTube. Yet. Yeah, it was it was passed around via VHS tape. I remember being uh, like part of my friend Leonard's forum, like he had this forum that I joined and. They would show, hey, watch this. And that's the first time I ever saw it. (laughs) And it's hilarious. And this documentary is about a guy wondering, who is this Winnebago man? And he goes looking for him. It's it's just very interesting. And it's also very funny, too. But I don't really want to ruin anything about it. I think people should just watch it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely uh, give it a watch. Because it's fantastic. It really is. Uh, I laughed quite a bit in that. Also, just to see that video again, which is still really funny. Oh, it's the exasperation in his voice and his face and his body language. I don't. I don't think, I think so. Think. It's uh, this guy's making an industrial Winnebago right. video where it's like this thing has awesome square footage and I whatever. You showed me some of the. I I don't think so. But um, uh, I'm telling you, I didn't, Stephen. Why are you pushing this? (laughs) But uh, in the, you know, obviously he was stressed out having to make this thing. And I guess, you know, the crew, they were like, this guy's an asshole. (laughs) You know, they just compiled all the outtakes of him cursing the whole time. And it's funny. And whatever. Just watch it. But, uh, Bill, on your recommendation, I watched uh, Hector's Search for Happiness on Netflix with Simon Pegg. And I thought it was uh, very good. It was wonderful. And I believe when that came out, it didn't get very good reviews, did it? No, people ripped it apart. Like, they just, I guess, uh, even Simon Pegg, people were giving him shit because he was like, I think people are coming at it from the wrong direction. Like they, I don't know what they're expecting, but this movie is completely wears its heart on its sleeve. Yeah. And I almost, I read this, I kind of posted this article on Facebook this week. It was where uh, Joe Hill was talking about how uh, rotten tomatoes. Oh, hold on a second. I've been guilty about of this and I've even done it on the show. Hector in the search for happiness it says 36% rotten. You see that green splat and you're like, oh, what a turkey. That's not going to be a good film mm-hmm. because uh, 30 people uh, liked it. 53 critics who I have no idea who they are did not like it. 
why should that mean anything to me? And basically, you know, Joe Hill was saying, like, you can evaluate a baseball player by his on-base percentage. It would be convenient if movies, books, plays, and paintings had an on-base percentage, too. But they don't. And you can't invent one just because it would be handy or convenient. And that's what Rotten Tomatoes is. They've made, they've compiled all these reviews of people. You have no idea who these assholes are. You, right. you don't give a shit their opinion. But because they're in this list that form an average of a film, you now know that there's a green splat and you shouldn't go see it. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been annoyed. Remember how much we loved Oblivion with Tom Cruise when that came out? And it had something like, uh, let me just type it in here. Like, just so Was I, it like 19%? It was really low. Well, it actually, it was, okay, it's 54%. And I was like, 54%? That's above half. That should be positive, shouldn't it? Oh, but yeah, that's right. Basically, here here was the average of Oblivion. It's fresh, 123. Rotten, 105. So it should be fresh. So it should be fresh. But no, because it's at 54%, it has a green splat showing, okay, this isn't a good movie. And so many, and I do it too, where I'll look, and generally now I'm like, if it's a real low, like 4% rotten, the film's probably not good. And, you know, honestly, we know when we see, like, uh, like Hot Pursuit, the film with uh, Sofia Vergara, and Reese Witherspoon, it looks like a pile of shit when I see the commercial, right? Yeah. And I don't want to see it anyway. Right. So when I see it's at 8% rotten, 11 fresh reviews, 135 rotten, I kind of laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if it's a film like where, you know, I saw Max Brooks getting upset about his film, um, uh, uh, American Ultra, which has a 40- Max Landis. Max Landis, I'm sorry. Uh, Max Landis got upset. It's 47% rotten. And it's got the green splat showing that it's, uh, you know, don't go see this. Uh, 53 people, fresh review, liked it. 59 didn't. What does that mean to us? It shouldn't mean anything because I don't know who those people are right. reviewing it. Yeah. I, I go by, uh, um, you know, uh, that's one thing Joe Hill talks about. Find reviewers that you respect and listen to them if you want to. Like I know that I always read Drew McWeeny's reviews. I don't mm-hmm. really, I don't really have many different uh, reviewers right now. It's just Drew McWeeny and not many others. I'll kind of look and see what some other guys say. But most of these people, I have no idea who they are. I don't care what David Edelstein says about anything. <laughs> I, I don't care about Owen Gleiberman with EW. Don't give a shit what he thinks about any movies. So why should I? care about this average and rotten tomatoes because I don't know who any of these people are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a good rant that Joe Hill gave there. And it kind of was at the same time as you showed that, uh, Max Brooks talking about how, you know, American culture is a good film. You should go see it. You know, unfortunately critics didn't like it or rotten tomatoes, but that shouldn't keep you from seeing a movie. And I'm starting, I've now kind of, you know, we've talked about it before, but I think rotten tomatoes, it's it's a detriment. It doesn't. It's not doing anybody any favors. No, it's not. Canon films would never work in the time of Rotten Tomatoes. 
Oh, God, no. Nobody could <laughs> see. Nobody would see American Ninja uh, if it wasn't for that, you know. And it really, it, you know, it honestly it does come down to the fact that you start to read critics that align with your own personality or what you also enjoy. And sometimes there will be some, you know, some conflicting uh, ideas of what you like and what they don't like. But most of the time it's pretty, it's pretty easy. And I think the most offensive thing, even looking at the American Ultra uh, summary, is that it says has some interesting ideas, but like its stone protagonist, it too e- it's too easily distracted to live up to its true potential. And that's like saying, that's saying nothing. That's saying, oh, it could have been great. And it's like, but who the F are you to say it could have been great? Right. Like, it, it's, it, it, kind of, it is what it is. And a lot of the reviews from people that I respect are saying that, you know what, for what it is, it's really fun. Uh, and that's all you can ask. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna pay the money to go see something, I want to enjoy myself. Right. And as as long as I get that, I'm perfectly happy. If it's something amazing, wonderful. But I just yeah, Rotten Tomatoes has really kind of become a blight on uh, on film criticism. Yeah. Nowadays, because it's and, just grouping a bunch of strangers into a hat and averaging out what they thought. And I really, really hate, like when I actually will buy a Blu-ray now or go through the store and look and they have that rotten tomatoes, fresh symbol yeah. on the cover art. Mm-hmm. I, it makes me not want to buy it or even rent it if I haven't seen it because it's just, it's offensive. It's like saying, Oh, Hey, we beat the odds. We beat the aggregate odds. We're rated fresh. And it's it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we got fired up there, didn't we? So we need to make a sticker mulberry approved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, <clears throat> I was reading some of these on here uh, about um, American Ultra. It has no problem exploring its absurdity in all this manifestations and doing so with forthright violence of which Sam Peckinpah would be proud. An existential nausea that might give Sartre pause. Oh, please. Someone's using their their literary degree. <laughs> that's that's like that's like reading an Adam Sessler review. <laughs> it's just... But I actually like Adam Sessler's reviews, but these people well, are windbags. Yeah, that's 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 a windbag. But at least Adam Sessler at the end of his reviews would then tell people uh, the ideas that he formed came from these books or this philosophy or this, you know, and I could appreciate that. Whereas that's just writing to write. Yeah. I was, um, do you know anything about Z for Zachariah? I've uh, heard very good things about it. It's I've a post-apocalyptic film. Yeah. In the wake of a nuclear war, a young woman survives on her own, fearing she may actually be the proverbial last woman on Earth until she discovers the most astonishing side of her life. Another human being. Um, sounds interesting. It's post-apocalyptic. It's got Chiwetel Ejiofor. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Chiwetel Ejiofor. It's got Margot Robbie and Chris Pine. And I always... There was a movie in the 80s. It's called uh, um, The Quiet Earth. Have you ever yeah. seen that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And was that based on Z for Zechariah? Loosely based on um, um, the novel Z for Zechariah? I don't know. But the quiet. No, I think there was actually a novel, The Quiet Earth. Oh, okay. Because The Quiet Earth, it was an interesting premise of a movie. I remember I really wanted to see it when it came out, and I watched it. I was like, I like the idea of it. I don't really like the movie, but the idea is neat. Where a guy is the last man on Earth until he finds a woman. Then they think they're the last man and woman on Earth. And then there's another guy who shows up, and they're the last three people on Earth. And what do you have? You have a love triangle. Yeah. And finally, one guy realizes how they survived and doesn't want to tell them kind of a thing because he wants to be the last one, I guess. And it's kind of like, I like the idea of this. I'm less interested in this. You know, once they <laughs> well, killed, it's a little heavy. Once they killed Philip Michael Hall. No, wait. Anthony Michael. Anthony An- Philip Michael Hall. What? Anthony, <laughs> Philip, Michael. Anthony Philip Seymour Hoffman Hall. <laughs> You know what's funny is after we did that show, Stephen, I don't know if you listened to the last show, Bill, where I basically... No, not yet. I was telling Stephen how I realized that I don't like Edward Scissorhands. Like, for the longest time, I was like, oh, Edward Scissorhands, I like this movie. You know, we went... We saw it in the theater. But I realized, you know, rewatching it on HBO, like, once the point... The point where uh, Anthony Michael Hall dies... Yeah, that Edward Scissorhands. Yes, I'm talking about this again, Adam. Uh, <laughs> once he kills Anthony Michael Hall, and the townsfolk start hunting uh, uh, Edward. Edward Scissorhands, and the whole thing's like he's this gift to society, but society can't handle something so innocent. Yeah. We destroy, we corrupt, and I'm like, kiss my ass, Tim Burton. Yeah, <laughs> he's weird. He's got pale skin and hair, and like, can you like please me. just abandon your Frankenstein homage? Yeah, he's for so, us. he's misunderstood. And I, at that point, I'm just like, you know, I liked it when he was cutting the hair. But yeah, you lost exactly. Me with your little social commentary, it, that know? that tonal shift honestly ruins the film. Yeah, it does. For me, I bail. I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. No, See I've been car, I've been man. seeing it on on TV lately, and I can't. I have no interest in it anymore. At one time, I could say I really enjoyed Edward Scissorhands, but as you Edward grow up and as you you Ed- kind of experience more in life, and you maybe get a, a wider film palette. I don't know. It just kind of falls flat, and it's a little grading right right yeah i mean it's the first part of the movie's fine yeah it's got an awesome danny elfman score remember that (laughs) you know they're like and then i realized when i watch it once anthony michael hall dies and everything's gone dark and the town's folks are are, they're hunting him i'm just like you know what i don't even like the music anymore i just you know what's Annoying. There's a really joyful way to do dark, and I felt it, most recently, uh, I think Paranorman did that the best. Oh yeah, like there's there's a tonality there that it captures perfectly. That dark, that but still humorous, but still teaching you something. And whereas Edward Scissorhands was just like an anvil drop on the head. Do you remember like, how great Danny Elfman was at this time, though? 
You know what? It reminds me, tonight before the show, I was actually showing Natalie The Frighteners on HD DVD uh, because I don't have the Blu-ray. And I forgot that Danny Elfman did the score to that. Yeah. And it's it's a really great score. He was great. Like, right now, Danny Elfman, you know, he's working now, but I don't... He doesn't do that same kind of style. It's very subdued and doesn't call attention to itself. You know, where I'm not sure it's because whoever hires him say, you know, I don't want to notice your music. And some people think that you shouldn't notice music when you're seeing a movie. You should just watch the film and just it influences you somehow to evoke some kind of emotion but you're not sure why, you know. But uh, that's a conversation to have with my dad, I think. <laughs> well, thankfully now we have, you know, every once in a while we'll have someone, a musician, an artist that wants that for their film. Like, I think Joseph Kaczynski's kind of the 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 prime suspect right now in in directing where when he makes a film he makes the film around the music right so you know he brings in M83 for Oblivion he brings in uh Daft Punk for Tron and you know I, and there there still are there's certain you know you have we at least we still have Michael Giacchino who does the amazing scores for I thought even his you know uh, Planet of the Apes score was wonderful and yeah it's powerful yeah I mean they're still they're still out there but you know I would like Danny Elfman to get back into uh, being Danny Elfman I thought the last Mission Impossible had a rock and score yeah it was really good wasn't it yeah it's fantastic you know I know a lot of it's based on uh, what is it Lalo Schifrin's theme. But still, it it's, uh, was a very effective uh, soundtrack, and it was by some other guy. What's his name? Yeah. Bill. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, Brian Tyler? No. No, no, no. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> Tyler Bates. Let's Brian see. Tyler. I, I can't find it. Who does the theme to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Who did it, Steven? It should really, come on, on YouTube, it should at least say who did it. Don't just post the music and not say, give credit to it, you know what I mean? Don't. Do you think that's uh, right, mean, Stephen, or Bill? No, it's not right at all. No, no it's not. I mean... Oh, here it is. It, uh, Joe Kramer. Joe Kramer, that's a first. Uh, I don't. I don't recognize his name. But I thought it was uh, a really just rockin' uh, music. I thought it was awesome. Not like rock music. What I mean is like bombastic and like really effective, awesome. Like that motorcycle chase in Mission Impossible is so badass, you know. Mm -hmm. It just, uh, that movie was just excellent all around. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. You know, I I was surprised it, it moved as fast as it did. Like, I was like, oh, wow, that was a really quick two and a half hours. And Simon Pegg was fantastic in it. Yeah, I love seeing that. And uh, he was we've also... Been on the, uh, we've been on a Simon Pegg kick lately with uh, Mission Impossible, and then we watched uh, um, uh, The World's End. Or oh, we hey. first watched Hector and the Search for Happiness, and then we watched The World's End the next night, because Natalie had never seen that. You know what else just hit Netflix with Simon Pegg? Kill Me Three Times. I keep meaning to watch that. Yeah, I want to watch it. 
I want yes. Walsh ass that well, bill. I, I like Simon Pegg. My name is Simon. <laughs> and love to do drawings. <laughs> Cheeky bum lookers. You bum looker. So, and that's all we have for tonight. No, I. Uh, what else do we talk about? Trying to guys? think what else happened in the, the news. I know I, that uh, we've got a Borderlands movie coming, apparently, which kind of blew my mind. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. Who is producing that? It's Avi Arad and his son. Okay. Avi and, Avi and Ari. And they, Avi used to run Marvel, right? Yeah. Until what? He got fired, demoted? One of the two. (laughs) But yeah, I was kind of, I was shocked by that, that they would even, I can't even wrap my mind around how they would write a script for that. Like the whole, I guess they could do the whole kind of Indiana Jonesy, Vault Hunters vibe, kind of an ensemble action film. But they did it like based on the three characters you play in the first Borderlands and did a story around it with some of the crazy bad guys, it might be fun. It might be fun, yeah. I just, there's certain, there's certain properties I would prefer just remained in the gaming world. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got to be rated R with a lot of F-bombs. If they're not going to do that, what's the point? The last game I was actually excited about possibly having a movie version was Bioshock, and only because it was Gore Verbinski. And I was like, well, even if the movie's awful, it'll look gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but anymore, I'm just kind of like, eh, mm, okay. By the way, do you just have to have a Nintendo play Disney Infinity? Is that what it's mm-hmm. on? No. It's for... No. What's this in his own? It's multi-platform. It's all for, it's for all the uh, uh, next generation systems. And you have to have a, a little toy to play it or something? Yeah, you get the starter kit, and it comes with... Um, I have to look here. Disney. And I'm sure it's for the Xbox 360 also. But again, yeah. you get into these Disney Infinity games, and it's just disastrous because money-wise. Because spend money. Yeah, it's yeah. a sinkhole. A sinkhole. <laughs> it, you just start throwing money into it, and uh, it's like instant depreciation. Like the moment you buy your car and drive it off the lot. Yeah, yeah. You know that's basically what Disney but, Infinity is. There's going to be like, a new Infinity every year. This investment. <laughs> yeah, it's like you pay. You're going to pay. I don't know, sixty five dollars for the starter kit, which has uh, I think Ahsoka and Anakin in it. Then you're going to pay. Uh, I think it's like 13 to $15 a character to put on the, the base so that they can be in the game for you. Uh, then those, some of them have play sets, some of them Anakin. have missions, some of them, it's just, it's never ending. And then, just like Nintendo with these Amiibo characters, you've got the whole market of the people that swoop in and try to buy them all up so that they can then sell them at an upcharge on eBay. And then your kid is like, oh, I really want that specific Infinity character. And now you have to shell out more money for it to satisfy (laughs) your kid. And it's just, it's a disaster. Wow. That's crazy. I go, every time I go into Target or I go into Best Buy and I walk past those things, I'm like, God, I'm so glad I have no interest in that anymore. Because of that bag of them I just have sitting there on a shelf somewhere. 
So it's like, I thought it looked kind of neat, but there's no way I can ever play this. You know, just st- <laughs> not be uh, interested in it. A lot of it, I think also a lot of it is very, uh, it's very like a Lego type of game. You know, where you just go out and collect things. Or, and then there's the play sets that are just, you know, open world goofing around. You know, I this is for a kid with a lot of imagination or just a, a lot of time. And I just... I don't think any of us have that anymore. Yeah. I'm I mean, like, I, I would I... love it. I would love it. I think it's beautiful. It's awesome to be able to play in that Clone Wars kind of thing. But it's, it's awesome. just... Yeah. Emma uh, likes... She plays Minecraft, and occasionally she'll want new skins for her character. For yeah. Like a dollar ninety nine. So I'm like, oh, okay. You know. Well, yeah, it's funny. Since Microsoft took that over... Now they charge you for the skins, whereas it used to be, you know, this whole community that just made higher resolution skins or different skins or different mods, and they were just openly shared. And I'm sure they still are to some extent, but now that Microsoft's locked it down, you have to pay for that shit. Yeah. And I'm shocked that Minecraft has become as big a deal as it is. Like, I remember when Minecraft was in its alpha and only on a PC, and I goofed around with it for a little for maybe like a week, because it reminded me of being in a, a kid, and if you dug down far enough, you'd hit a cavern, or if you got enough of a certain material, you could make a portal to a netherworld, and then get instantly killed the moment you went into it. Yeah, it's but, I mean, more than a game now, it's, it's a life. It's like, yeah, it really is. It's this portal to another world you know it's uh um i i got nothing <laughs> yeah, it's really it's i can see I why it is. <laughs> some kids and adults love it yeah i always when i sit there she'll show me something she made like she made a giant spongebob statue oh and nice I'm like, oh that's awesome or whatever and i'm like why does it have to look so pixely <laughs> some dude, why does uh, it have to look so blocky some dude did a, it, I think he said it was like over a million blocks, but you pan out real far, and it's a woman riding a dragon. Wow. And it's just like, it's it from when it's pulled back, it looks very detailed. You know, what you, <laughs> well, and, and a lot of that stuff now, you know, there are editors that you use on the PC and whatnot, and you can do that stuff without actually going into the game and doing it. Now, I'm sure there are people that oh, will... So fun actually recreate the starship enterprise and they have in yeah, the game i told her to make a spaceship like up in the air you know yeah and she was like okay maybe and it's like okay you know maybe i know she wants to say well why don't you play if you want that <laughs> hey at least it's not something that is a serious you know monetary investment like legos I would encourage my kid to play Minecraft more than play with Legos, <laughs> because at least Legos? it's not nearly as expensive. Well, even Lego was came out with their own Lego craft game. Yeah, has <laughs> yeah. that not picked up? Yep. Or people like stuck on um, Minecraft more? Yeah, they're not kind of playing. So. The merchandising is ridiculous. Yeah. Bill, did you know that Amazon wants to make a Galaxy Quest TV series? I read about that. That's really interesting. Like they're, they're developing a series based on the yeah we know the show, 
uh, a loving, absurdist parody of Yeah, Yeah, We Know, starring a chosen cast. They basically tell what the entire movie's about. And then. Uh, but is it the original cast? Is it a new cast? Is it. You know, is is uh, What's it his says, name? Veronica Mars's dad in it? Production on the TV series is it at an early stage with no hard commitment to film a season or even at this point a pilot. Well, then why announce it? They're just <laughs> developing it right now. So, so it's kind of like before you go, you're like, you're not going to go to the bathroom tonight, but you might go to the bathroom in the morning. Right. So it's like, it's not, it's, there's no, that's not even good. Cause you know, you're going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you know, you're going to go to the bathroom. You have Something to go to the bathroom. is going to be expelled. It's like, <laughs> nobody has to make galaxy quest ever. So it doesn't need to happen. So, no, uh, it's basically just, it's, they got me to click on the store. You bastards. Like, yeah, you just, on. you just they gave them you. advertising money. They're like, <laughs> now click on every ad around that story. Like the asshole that you are. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you all the money because you made me click this non story. And it was right next to the, uh, new Star Wars footage shows Finn igniting lightsaber. So I'm like, oh man, I gotta click that. Too. I gotta click that too. <laughs> Here's what Michael Fassbender looks like in Assassin's Creed. Oh, I gotta click on that. I gotta click that shit. Oh, oh, there should ooh, be ooh. like a meter at the top right of your screen that shows you how much money you just made for that website. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there was one. It was like. Uh, why acting with Ultron sucked for the Avengers. And you watch a clip, and it's just a making of clip that showed that yeah. uh, uh, James Spader was on the set, and he wore these thing on his head with red dots where they had to look at that because that was Ultron's eyes. They How could say, that suck? You're still acting with James Spader. Nobody said it even nobody sucks. Even it it's sucks. just the person who watched the video and posted it was like, oh, that must have sucked. So it sucked for the Avengers and you just clicked <laughs> on it, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I it really on. sucked for them to make millions of dollars. Yeah, like... uh Hey, I know you're only getting paid twelve million for this movie, but I need you to look at those red dots and pretend that's James Spader. Oh man, my life is tough. God, I hate my life. I can't believe I chose to become an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could be doing other stuff, like shoveling shit somewhere. Yeah, I could be digging shitholes <laughs> at a campsite right now. Now, making Bill, below minimum wage, but instead I'm an actor talking to a red dot. I'm talking to James Spader. I'm talking, yeah, Master talking to I can't believe that I have to act with Steph. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bill, listen, Star Wars The Force Awakens villain isn't what you think. Oh wait! I don't know what it is, so I can't think anything. <laughs> Here's a spoiler alert: Kylo Ren is not a Sith. Oh holy shit! I had n oh we they just my my the world's just been us. destroyed. They ruined the whole entire. But he has movie. a red laser sword. You have a laser, laser sword, Mister Qui Gon. Laser sword. Can they? Do they have any new information scene. about the First Order? Uh, they may, but I, <laughs> I didn't click bait that one. How amazing was it for them to act with Harrison Ford? 
can I just say also, like, because I just finished season five of The Clone Wars, there is an episode, or it's like a three-episode arc or four, where Darth Maul and his brother take over Mandalore, and it yeah. was an awesome storyline, and Palpatine senses the dark side coming from that side of the galaxy. And he immediately goes there and I won't spoil what happens, but it is awesome. And after I watched that episode, I was like, dude, this show is so awesome. I know that's what I've been. I've like said, like how I watched that show and it actually made me like go, Oh, I can maybe watch the prequels. And then I realized, no, I can't watch the prequels. I'll just watch the show. I never I will never watch the prequels again. I'm done. I don't need to. There's but no those, to watch them I watched The Phantom Menace. I watched uh, Attack of the Clones so many times. And you even used to though. demonstrate your sound system with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Revenge of the Sith, I have seen not as many times. Uh, I'm going to say I've probably seen Revenge of the Sith. Ten times. <laughs> Revenge of the Sniff. Yeah, Revenge of the Sniff. I've seen Attack of the Clones. The it sounds like a Dr. Seuss story. <laughs> I've seen Attack of the Clones 456 times. Oh, you poor thing. I've seen... And I, it was funny because, you know, recently there was a thing with Simon Pegg where they were like, rank the Star Wars films. And he goes... Uh, Worst Star Wars film ever made, Attack of the Clones. Next on the line is um, is uh, Phantom Menace. And he goes, mm-hmm. I know some people are going to say, what? Phantom Menace is worse? No, it's not. And as I read that, I was like, I agree with him. The yeah. Phantom Menace is not, it's totally not as bad as Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is freaking awful. <laughs> yeah. And um, I will I will explain why, because we've talked about it before, uh, but the, the romance between Padme and Anakin, that's the only John Williams music that I hate, their romance mm-hmm. music. I can't hear it ever again or I will kill myself. But the entire Jedi thing at the end where there's all these Jedi and they're fighting droids and it's supposed to be badass, it's not. It's just overwhelming sensory overload where you just don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) No. But um, uh, he, you know, uh, okay. I've still always wanted somebody, maybe in a fan edit, have Jango Fett's head fall out of his helmet. (laughs) When Boba picks it up, I like I've how always Boba felt that was, it, it needed like, dude, to happen. A human head weighs <laughs> how many pounds? To the kid and Jerry Maguire said the yeah. kid's picking up his dad's head with a helmet. Why isn't there, you know, Gore blood or something? Out. Something, and he's like holding it to his head. And I'm like, dude, that's gross. But anyway, <laughs> dude, uh, that's gross. Not only that, they couldn't make the the whole clone thing more uninteresting. Yeah. But besides that, the Clone Wars, like you said, totally redeemed the prequels because they make it interesting. They made the clones oh. interesting. They made the whole storyline interesting. Dude, there is a series of episodes in the final season of the Clone Wars that they did for Netflix with the clones that I was just blown away. Like, I mean, each episode in the final season expands on like, cause they knew they only had 13 episodes. Let's take our, let's take 
this and just hit it as hard as we can. There isn't a wasted episode in those 13 episodes, and it wow. expands the mythology to the point where it's like, wow, I now it's like I, I kind of get what George Lucas wanted to do and couldn't quite do. Maybe, yeah, he needed a little help, but yeah, uh, maybe he just didn't know how to ask for it. Too prideful. Yeah. I don't know, but... This is my story. It shows, I think the Clone Wars series proves that the world of Star Wars is ripe for creativity and great storylines and stuff, because it has it in there. And let me ask you this, Bill. In Season 5, when there was like a four episode arc it might have been three it just seemed like four but of the droids on a mission with this little frog general guy frog yeah or something or you mean the clones no 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 it was droids it was r2 and some other droids oh okay yeah they went on this mission to steal this thing and there was like a frog alien guy who was their commander and first he treats him like crap but then slowly he learns to accept all the droids do you remember that (laughs) Yeah, I do. There's a part where, because uh, <laughs> the droids are very literal, there was this one droid that's very annoying, but the, um, the uh, is he a corporal or something like that? He gets knocked over and he goes, save yourselves to the yeah. droids. And he goes, okay. And they just keep going. And yeah. Nobody stops for him. I just thought that was hilarious. They, but they, The show gave the droids character. There yeah. were moments where I was like, wow, I actually really enjoy these things. There's Whereas a, before yeah. it was just Roger, Roger and that stupid shit. And they even made R2 did something very brave and you think he's dead. Of course we know he's not cuz he's in the movies in the future. But he did something so brave that you, you know, he's not just a dumb droid. He's a very brave kind of a guy. He's a hero. That little, you know, bucket of bolts is uh, a hero. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah. And yeah, like it that. is. That I think I, my favorite episodes kind of expanded the whole mythology of the Force, and I've talked about it before. Where they go to, uh, is it Mortis? That oh, like yeah, planet yeah. within the like monolith kind of a thing. Yeah, and it has to deal with the daughter, the father, the son, the light, the dark, the yeah, you know, uh, all that stuff. And the I son think that was the dark the. The daughter was the light, and then the dad was in the middle. Yeah, the dad was the balance. Yeah, and uh, they're stuck in this weird kind of netherworld or something, trying to learn uh, about the balance of the Force, and it was very cool. Yeah, and that was like the first time that Anakin sees what he becomes, Mm -hmm. but then they have to basically erase his his memory that he knows who he is going to become and that he actually is the chosen one, you know, because he goes through that process to, you know, to become dark and then light to be, to return balance to the force. Yeah. Like, and it, there was just, it was one of those episodes. Where I was like, wow, like the mythology that they brought forward just in that series of episodes was brilliant. Really like was. to kind of give give the idea of the force this this undescribable entity and actually bring it into an actual entity to give you an idea of how it operated and I was just I was really appreciative that they went that that deep into it in the series 
I'm really excited about uh, Star Wars Rebels because it looks like they're going to bring some characters from Clone Wars into Rebels, which is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I'm geeking out over here. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we have some voicemail, guys. You want to play it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, first, we have a Jim voicemail, and let's check it out. Hello, Jim. Hey, ETL guys. Just calling to say congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. I hope to be able to listen to the show live tonight. I'm not sure if I'll get a chance to. Oh, and this is Jim down in Florida. Hello, So uh, have a good show, and I will hope to listen to it later. All right. Bye. All right. Short but sweet. Thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah, yeah and be huh? careful down in Florida with that tropical storm moving in. Oh, yeah. That shit's crazy. Now, we also have another voicemail, this one from Adam Sexton. Let's check it out. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew, Jason, Stephen, Bill. This is Adam Sexton sending wow. you a voicemail, and hopefully it'll reach you in time for tonight's episode. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I want to start off by saying thanks again, Jason and Stephen, for inviting me to speak on the last ETL Daily episode. It was a lot of fun. Talking about Mission Impossible, writing and publishing books in the modern age, Alien 3 and Prometheus. Somehow we always manage to talk about those films. And uh, everyone's favorite TV show, Chuck. Well, it isn't, but it should be. Uh, I was eating during our Skype chat, and most times I muted the mic when I was eating, but... Uh, listening to the episode recently, uh, there are a couple of times where you can hear me chewing, and I'm so sorry for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I some recommendations I should get out of the way, uh, or at least one. I recently saw a documentary called I Am Big Bird, the Carol Spinney story. Uh, this was in limited release last year. It hit wider and was on VOD earlier this year. And I rented this from Netflix's, Netflix's uh, disc library. And along with uh, Inside Out, uh, this earlier this uh, summer, this movie gave me, among other things, just a really good cry. Uh, in the documentary, you find out all about Spenny, his life story, how he came to be a puppeteer for Jim Henson's workshop, and how he got the gig to not only bring Big Bird, but Oscar, to Gra- Oscar the Grouch to life. And he's been playing these characters since 1969. And it's astonishing how he can still physically pull it off, but uh, also how he puts so much personality and emotion into these characters. I mean, the puppeteer and these characters are damn near inseparable. And you uh, get to learn about how Spinney is devoted and dependent on his uh, wife, who's also his manager. And there's a moment in the film where you see footage of Jim Henson's funeral. And I didn't know this. Oh. At one particular point during the service, Spinney dressed up as Big Bird. Yep. He took center stage and he sung It Ain't Easy Being Green. And yep. I was just sobbing already at the end of it. But he's and young. the end of the movie, which I won't spoil, involves a reunion with someone. And I, and I cried again. I mean, you know, tears of joy this time. It's just an amazing moving experience and I highly recommend it. If you grew up with Sesame Street, you owe it to yourself to see it. I am uh, still keeping up watching Hannibal and we are getting closer to the end, I think. And I hate it, but it's still a fantastic show. I just hope it doesn't end on an infuriating cliffhanger like the Glades did. 
Uh, I am also making another attempt to play Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, in anticipation for the fifth, for the last uh, uh, game, The Phantom Pain, which will come out, I believe, next Tuesday. Also still playing lots of Rocket League. Uh, I just got in Batman Arkham Asylum, so I will start that up pretty soon. I also got uh, Alien Isolation from Gamefly, so uh, oh, no, I will again. attempt to uh, <laughs> finish that nightmare of a video game. Oh. So expect some Twitch broadcast links. <laughs> so I found out that it's your 10-year anniversary, and I've only been listening for about two and a half, maybe three years at this point, but I've always appreciated how very welcoming a community you have inspired. I've always believe that podcasting is the continuation of talking about the things that we love or interest us and you guys have perfectly demonstrated how powerful or hilarious or infectious those discussions can be it inspired me to reach out to you as many others have it inspired me to record my own podcast and to try to be just as welcoming to others to try to be more consistent with my output and I will try to do that in the future and I've gone back and forth in the Nowhere and Mulberry archives and I've had plenty of uh, hours of listening uh, sorry about that I had to answer the door um, <laughs> I've had plenty of hours of listening Hello? pleasure and I'm uh, very thankful that you've made most of it free and I've had no problem donating to keep the machine going there's a uh, comfort week in and week out, knowing that a show like this is always accessible and uh, there for when I need it, whether I've got a long work night or whether I'm just trying to take down like a never-ending list of outposts in Just Cause 2 or something. And, you know, you guys may not have all the followers in the world. You may not be at the top of any podcast list in iTunes, but hey. look, Entertainment Landfill is just as in. good, <laughs> if not better, than any of those shows. Well, thanks, it's man. why I keep returning and why I keep listening. So congratulations on the past 10 years, and here's to 10 more years, maybe more than that. Holy crap. So to the Jstrom, to the pop culture zealot, and to the Mulberry historian, thank you for everything you've done and for everything that you will soon do. This is uh, Adam Sexton, last surviving member of the Nostromo, <laughs> signing off. <laughs> Have a good time, guys. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much, Adam. That was awesome. I appreciate that. And what do you say, last surviving member of what? The Nostromo. <laughs> last surviving. Okay, that is funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, we just got into Ridley Scott and Alien and all that stuff. But thank you so much, Adam. That was awesome. And hell, why not? It's easy to uh, talk with friends. We could do this for ten more years. <laughs> yeah, why not? We just need to stay alive for ten more years. That's all we got to do. We That's do a lot it. to ask. Yeah, we'll start. We'll in ten we live years, dangerously. In 10 years, we're going to be doing the show live from a virtual stage because we're all going to be living in virtual reality. Nice, Are the Oasis. In a virtual reality, Ari? <laughs> I, do we? Are, is that's, this... what, that's what it says on Yahoo. We're living in a matrix already. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> there were, I watched a quote from... There's this new movie with uh, Jason Siegel where he uh, plays... Um, oh, my God. Don't, don't blank on the author's name. Bill. Oh, what? Um, shit. <laughs> he, um, 
wrote, uh, oh, I hate myself. Right. Yeah, he was just on Conan talking about this movie. Yes. Hold on a second, guys. This is what happens when you get old. So just don't look forward to it. <laughs> God, he's so David old. Foster Wallace. Yeah, David Foster Wallace, who wrote Infinite Jest. There's a film that uh, Jason Siegel uh, basically... Uh, it's called the end of the tour and he's in the movie with Jason Eisenberg or Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> where uh, in reality, Jesse Eisenberg plays uh, David Lipsky, who was a Rolling Stone writer who followed David Foster Wallace at the end of his book tour for infinite jest and wants to know more about him, And they talk and stuff like that. And basically this movie is about that and it looks very interesting, but in this clip, David Foster Wallace, played by Jason Siegel, he's talking about how maybe we, it's like entertainment uh, is okay in small doses, but now it's at the point where we need to be entertained all the time. That's right. why we're in a society where nobody is ever satisfied anymore, because we need that entertainment all the Constant. time. It's always stimulated. It never rests. We never go back to reality kind of thing. So look, as the internet grows in the next 10, 15 years and virtual reality pornography becomes a reality, mm -hmm. we're going to have to develop some real machinery inside our guts to turn off pure unalloyed pleasure. Or I don't know about you, I'm going to have to leave the planet. Why? Because the technology is just going to get better and better and it's going to get easier and easier and more and more convenient and more and more pleasurable to mm -hmm. sit alone with images on a screen given to us by people who do not love us but want our money. And that's fine in low doses. But if it's the basic main staple of your diet, you're going to die. Well, come on. In a very meaningful way, you're going to die. I kind of got what he was saying. Sure, yeah. It kind of reminded me of that thing. Off. You know, speaking of Simon Pegg, remember when he did that? Kind of, he talked about how geek culture and kind of people blew up at him. How dare yeah. he attack this? But I understood what he was saying. He was basically saying that we're kind of infantilized, where we care about all this mundane geek shit. And uh, it gets to the point where we don't grow up and kind of explore the real world and kind of thing. Becomes our lives. Yeah, I understood what he meant, but... That's kind of like, you know, talking about living in a... You love it, but you got to have other loves as well. Yeah, it's like I am connected into my phone all the time, and I'm always in front of this computer, and I'm talking about Star Wars and books and video games, and we're watching movies and all this stuff. So I can understand what that is, you know. But you have to look at reality, man. Absolutely, man. You know, we only get one life, Stephen. Just one? <laughs> that we know about. That we know about. You know, I don't know if in my next life I'll remember Game this over, one. man. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to know that, uh, over. <laughs> that uh, I got to, like, get out there and, like, smell flowers and shit. You got to use it or lose it, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. You got to smell the sunshine. Wait, that didn't come out right. Smell. You got to look at the sunshine or feel the, the feel the sun on your face. You got to smell the water. Yeah. Oh, you're going. <laughs> cool breeze in my hair, the sun on my face. <laughs> yeah. Right. Rocky Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Things that are good. Holy shit, Rocky Dennis knew what the hell he was talking about. He or, absolutely did. He knew exactly what was a drag. These things are good. Ice cream and cake, a ride on a Harley, seeing monkeys in the trees, <laughs> rain on my tongue, and the sun shining on my face. These things are a drag. Dust in my hair, holes in my shoes, no money in my pocket, and the sun shining on my face. Hell yeah. And getting fired from Back to the Future. <laughs> into shooting. Whenever that movie is on, though, The Mask, yeah. I will sit and watch it from oh, totally. it until the end. And it always, the part where Cher and you cry every Cher's time. looking for her drugs and she can't find them and she starts slamming everything around because she can't handle the pain and the emotion. She doesn't want to feel. And Gar, played by the great Sam Elliott, he's there for her. He comforts her, man. Every she's, time she's uh, Natalie and I go somewhere and there's motorcycles, she goes, hey, Sharon Sam Elliott are here. I, <laughs> I can't. It, it just makes me laugh out, out loud each time. And then I'll go, that's a drag. <laughs> Sam Elliott as a biker in that movie is more badass than any of Sam Crow on that Oh, TV yeah, show. please. Because he's a gentleman. And he's a biker, but he's a decent human being. He's, he's not, a gentleman biker. Yes. And he he's probably not running guns either. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Hopefully not. <laughs> Don't disappoint me, Gar. I'm sticking up for you. And stuff like that. He's like uh, he's cleaned up his Harvey act. Dent and Aaron, Brock, Aaron, Aaron Brockovich. Once, but he's cleaned up his act. Now, before, it's been a while since I've thanked our patrons, so I want to do that now because, you know, yeah. we, we the patron thing is kind of recent. You know, we haven't, I mean, I wish I would have thought of having patrons 10 years ago. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> but uh, they are all awesome, and uh, I just want to thank them. Um you know, we're, there's not as many as we started out with, but the ones that we've kept are total. You know, I think everybody who's become a patron who can't anymore, I understand that. Uh, but everybody who stuck with us, thank you so much, and I appreciate it. Like, yeah, it's certainly appreciated. Adam Howard, Jennifer Morris, Darren Finland, Paul Ty, Tom Aresto, Steve Steinbach, Brian, Rick Lidster. Rick, we haven't heard from you in a while. Come on. I buddy. know. What's how I want to know how Rick is doing. How's Australia? Sean Uyoka, Hodor. We haven't heard from Sean Uyoka in a yep. while too. The I master film is busy. John Waltz. I want to know what he's working on, you know? Yeah, me too. Jason Pash, Ken Proventure, hey, who Ken. is right now in the chat room and in Japan. And in Japan. Uh, Kelly Murray, Jenny, Bill Lochner. I don't know why I do that, but I just feel the need to. You give me so much joy. Cerule Meyer. Thank you, Bill. You give me joy, too. Adam Sexton. Except for your racist attack the block jokes. It's just offensive. It wasn't racist. <laughs> Carl, Slade Bailey, Brandon, Nathena Lewis. Thank you, Nathena. Kelly, B. Sly. He's very sly. Mike Metcalf, Jean Francois, oh, oh, oh. 
Mark Anderson. Mr. Mr. Anderson. Anderson. Swiley, Steve, Steve Wiley, who left a voicemail on the last show, Bill. What? I know. And Terry Farthing. And I saw Steve uh, Swiley and his wife were going to do foster pairing, and that's incredible. Yeah. My hat's off to you guys. They're both incredible. Very much so. Uh, Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. I appreciate it so much. And we're going to do lots more entertainment landfill. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. It may not be like the old format. The secret patron packages you said before. Well, yeah, like uh, there's two. I don't. I have no. I don't have <laughs> stats. No secrets, so <laughs> I've, there's two patron only shows right now that if you're a patron only, you guys can listen to, and we're going to do more of those and occasionally post those. So you guys, when you get the email, know that you can go to Patreon and download those. They're not going to be available anywhere else. I'm never going to make them available to anybody else except for patrons. You're special people, and that's only so for you. bootleg them. <laughs> yeah, bootleg them. <laughs> so they're gonna, some of them are going to be silly. It's going to be just hitting record, talking to my dad, or talking to uh, Bill or Steven about something, or uh, so maybe... We were going to do... After after movie thoughts, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Bill, I just, I want to so bad, like, after movies, just do a recording of us talking about, like, a roundtable discussion and just making that available to patrons and hearing yeah, us absolutely. blow hot air for an hour about something, you know? I want to do that. I always okay. think that's that was one of the fun things we would do whenever I would come down there and visit, it's is we'd talk of- about something after. This pure kind of uh, just film talk. Yep. Now, Bill, how would you like to do a DVDs? Yeah, I would love to, but I have to go to the bathroom first. Oh, okay. So um, while he's while you're doing the song, Stephen, I will go to the bathroom. Oh, no, Bill, you have to be here for that. So. All right, I'll be back in a few minutes then. Okay. Come up in here, piss on my dick, tell me it's raining. Excuse me? What? What the hell? That's a little much, wasn't it? Whoops. He missed a little. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't give a squirt of piss for your ass right now. Oh, my God. That's a little much. That so, sounds kind of weird, too. Let's give a shout-out to Ken and Adam. What's up, guys? Hey, How's Ken, it going hey, in that Adam. chat room, huh? Hey, Ken, I just watched a... I Actually, it's funny because the you're the only connection I have to Japan, but recently I watched a documentary about he, Hayao Miyazaki on Netflix where he was making the sun, the sun rises, or the it's, I, I'm sorry, my brain's not working tonight. But his last film, yes, the wind rises, which I would love to see. But it's all about Miyazaki making that film and how they work there at Studio Ghibli. The most shocking thing I think is that he still smokes, which I was like, God, that's got to be unhealthy. But you know, apparently, you know, if he just drinks that Yakult drink all the time i guess he's gonna be okay uh, 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 yeah have you watched that uh miyazaki documentary yet bill no no i have not is it on netflix yes it is 
All right, I will watch it immediately. <laughs> oh, I guess you're back from the bathroom. I hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. Okay, he said I'm still in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is about it, it, the whole thing is subtitled. And everything oh, is... Oh, then I'm out. Yeah, like, you want to just watch what he's drawing and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I got to read what he's saying also, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very cool. Yeah, everyone does smoke in Japan, uh, it looks like. They're sitting there in, like, meetings. They're in an office, and they're talking about things, and everybody's, like, smoking a cigarette, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> as I'm watching it, you know? They're like... Um... They celebrate the culture of the 1960s, apparently. They love... I know they love Western culture, but so much of Western culture is now anti-smoking. Well, Bill, what do you say we do some DVDs, huh? Do some DVDs. Let's do it. Steven, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do some DVDs. Let's do some DVDs. DVDs, 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 Wow. All right, Bill, what do we have in the DVDs? <laughs> Apparently we're shooting off uh, weapons, firearms. All right, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays for September 1st, 2015. Uh, starting out with an eight-movie action collection from Steven Seagal. All right. We love Seagal. Yeah, but apparently these are all films I've, uh, that he's done within the past few years that I've never seen. All uh, direct video. All horrible. Yeah, all horrible. Uh, Driven to Kill, Road of No Return, Silverhawk, Taken in Broad Daylight, Crosshairs, Formosa Betrayed, Tunnel Vision, and Burning Daylight. Wow, no, never heard of one. Yeah, never heard of any of them. I got belly to beach, I got ticker, I got into the sun, under siege, I got above the above law, the out for justice, hard to kill, I got all that man. man. <laughs> Don't move, Chunky. Oh, I miss that show. <laughs> the, the most boring television show ever, but we found a way to pull some entertainment out yeah, of it. Yeah, to actually make it interesting. Great samurai killed when they have to. I love how he says samurai. Samurai. Some Great samurai. Kill uh, when they have to, Bill. Not just yeah. They don't just kill anybody. No, no. They're not savages. He's, uh, he is... Quite possibly the world's worst philosopher. Next, we have uh, Mad Max Fury Road. <gasps> Mad Max, woohoo! Can you guys believe that we live in a day and age that not even a year later do we get a film we super hotly anticipated to see in the theater? We can now own it. In your hot yep. little hands. It's yeah, pretty amazing. Back. And, uh, there's just a there's one two three four different versions no five what? different six different versions holy crap well do they all have the extras or only certain ones well I think only certain ones you've got you know the standard edition with the Blu-ray DVD ultraviolet we've got the 3D edition with the 3D Blu-ray Blu-ray DVD ultraviolet 
Then we've got the Best Buy Steelbook exclusive. Holy shit. Uh, uh, which ones are 3D? Uh, just the standard 3D. The, exclu- the Steelbook, which is gorgeous, does not come with the 3D Blu-ray. So... You gotta buy should I bother? Double dip. I gotta buy the 3D one, right? Yeah. I mean, why why would you not buy the 3D one? If it comes with all of them, it comes with the 3D, the standard, and Blu-ray, and the DVD. So, yeah. And if you wait two months, the metal book... The ultimate edition. It'll be, it'll be yeah, down for six Yeah, I don't six really bucks. care about the metal book because it's not going to fit on the shelf, right? No, they're smaller now. I mean, oh, they, okay. they normally fit. I just... I You know, I only saw it once in the theater... And I loved it, and I just want to watch it over and over again now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you imagine re- actually re-watching some of that crazy action? God, I can't wait. That's, I really can't wait. It's going to be awesome! <laughs> uh, and uh, the Target exclusive comes with a comic book. Ooh. Yeah, a really cool uh, comic book from uh, Vertigo Comics. The Adventures so- of Anti-Entity. Yeah, I don't I, I I don't know if this is like a prequel book or just a book that's based on I don't know, but Hearing Wonky. Yes. It's all it's Mad Max Fury, Fury Road told from the perspective of Tun Tun. Me explain <laughs> <laughs> The underappreciated saxophone player. Yeah. Told the guy was a the... masterful musician. Yeah, he was. He... Only him. Leave. Leave. <laughs> bad line reading there. Take two. Every movie that that little Italian man has done, it has been the same line reading. Wasn't he only in two movies? Thunderdome and Freaks? No, he was in that god-awful cinematic Titanic. Uh, the first one they did. Was it the... The was it the oozing skull? I can't. I have to look here. Let me look it up. Blaster, blaster! Listen to the law. Yeah, it was uh, the oozing skull or brain of blood. Nineteen seventy-one. Is that horror the one where film. Joel goes, "You're in tiny time out"? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, the guy says, "Sit down there in that chair," and he goes, "You're in tiny time out." <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> and Jello. Yeah, Rosito. Yeah, he was in uh, Al- Alex in Wonderland, Brain of Blood, Dracula versus Frankenstein, Little Cigars. Uh, fairy Tales and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Well, what does all that mean? It means that he was in quite a few films and awful in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to watch this. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I'm really looking forward to picking it up. Uh, next, we have finally the Star Wars Rebels Complete Season 1 Blu-ray. Star Wars? I, I like Star Wars, Bill. Yeah, I'm, I've been uh, looking forward to this coming out. Cause I, I, I love Rebels. I think it's a fun show. It really is a fun show. It's really well done. No reward is worth this. And um, lastly, surprisingly, it's not a real big release day. What the uh, heck? We have... It can't be over already. Yeah, it's over already. 
we have the Vampire Diaries complete six season Blu-ray. I love the Vampire Diaries. I know Natalie loves the Vampire Diaries. I've never watched it. Is it but a plague was... or is it vampires? Sh- oh, why you like it? Why do you like it? Because the guys are hot. Sexy. Oh, yes. She likes watching un- uh, supernatural teen dramas when she's unemployed. Sexy, beautiful goddesses. So yep. when she's in between jobs, she sits on the computer all day filling out applications and watching, like, Supernatural or Vampire Diaries. Or... I, Heather and I watched the Vampire Diaries, I think, the first three seasons, and uh, it got to the point where we just lost interest. Uh, Natalie got into, on one of her uh, application sprees, Got into the Witches of East End. Oh, Heather and loved it that show too. Took every ounce, every fiber of my being not to just scream. <laughs> yeah, because Heather... it, at one point at night, she's she's up watching it, and I put my Bose noise canceling headphones on <laughs> because it, the dialogue is so trite. Yeah, I watched the first season with Heather, and I couldn't sit through the second season. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's just the adventures of Freya and Ingrid and I can, Dash. I can watch all sorts of television, bad, good, whatever, but uh, sometimes I just got to bail, man. Yeah, there's some stuff I have no problem watching. I mean, this coming from the guy that watched every season of Dawson's Creek and even recorded some of them. Oh, yeah, I love CW drama, man. But yeah. You know what? I I found myself watching like all day. Uh, I uh, like a week. You know, the last past couple of week I've been sick, and I didn't want to do anything. Like, remember, like one of my healing methods was to watch just a marathon of Treehouse Masters. Just yeah, absolutely. Well, I watched this Bravo show with these detestable people called Below Deck, and it's about all these people who work on a luxury yacht for a season, and they have rich clientele, they wait on them hand and foot, and bitch about it continuously, and then at the end of whatever charter that the rich guy had, he gives them a tip of like $20,000, and they all split it evenly. Um, So I watched a marathon of this, of these people, like... Of course, what do they do when they're not on a charter? They all get drunk and act stupid and get mad at each other and stuff like that. But this is why I was watching the show. I was ignoring all that. I was just admiring the yacht was, like, incredible. (laughs) I mean, it's got, like, uh, a theater room bill. It's got, you know, a swimming pool, the hot tub. It's got a kitchen area. They have a chef who makes them whatever they want. That's amazing. It just... How long I do just, they charter the boats for? Just usually like a day or two days. Sometimes they and spend... And they get a $20,000 tip to split. They spend over... Yeah. How a, many people? A lot of the... Some some people... Sometimes it'll be a guy and his girlfriend. Other times they'll bring like eight people with them, like a whole family. Uh, the, peop, the employees will talk shit about the family, like, oh, they're tacky or something like that. <laughs> Sometimes they're, uh, you know, it's like a group of gay guys and all the women love the guys and the other guys are like, oh, what is this all about? But the thing that I think is funny is the captain has to give them a stern talking to. He's like, 
you guys know it's your job to wait on these people, right? That's what your job is. So stop bitching about it. <laughs> but I just watch it because I love the yacht. If you, if you don't like your job, quit. Think of it. If you lived on a yacht like that, it's like living on a spaceship, right? The only thing you have to worry about is uh, pirates. Yeah. Ice pirates. Just don't just don't go off the coast of Somalia. Yeah. Uh, I'm the captain now. It's like, no, you're not. Okay? No, no, you're not. So anyway, Bill, sorry for that weird. Uh, <laughs> no, it's no, it's totally <laughs> fine. We were talking about CW dramas. Please tell Natalie to watch Below Deck on Bravo. Uh, we'll watch it together. You Babe, watch Jason says show. we need to watch Below Deck on Bravo. <laughs> Below Deck. It's. I will watch it with you. People working on luxury yachts. It's people working on luxury yachts. <laughs> All right, you <laughs> so, gotta see the show. We're, we're in. We're in for it. All right. Yes, you guys are gonna love that. <laughs> I'm gonna strangle you when I see you next. <laughs> so we're on season three of Below Deck, Jason. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I I love CW teen dramas. I I miss the heyday of. Well, those. my favorite show of last season was The Flash. Absolutely love that show. I haven't watched any of The Flash, and I only hear about how good it is. It, I love it. It's a great show. And um, I haven't watched any of the of Arrow, and I hear that that's really well done also. it Arrow is good and entertaining, but at times I start to yawn or look at oh, okay. my phone during it. Because there's too many characters, and there's yeah, too many that's angsty what happened to me, scenes. and I kind of quit. I, I, I would say The Flash is more fun and... Arrow is more kind of serious-minded, you know? Okay. And at times, it's super entertaining, but sometimes I just yeah, lose it. Yeah, the Flash is more Smallville in a way. When it, not, I mean, Don't ever call anything Smallville. It's not... By comparison, no. to, by comparison Arrow to Arrow... Arrow is ten times better than Smallville, but I'm just saying certain characters get angsty where I okay, yeah. have to check my phone... Yeah. And lose interest. But the action and stuff is always fun, you know? Okay. Well, but, I'll definitely check out The Flash. The Flash well, is pure fun. Oh, and uh, do, I don't know if you ever finished iZombie, did you? Because No, I haven't. Wa- I watched the first episode. Season one ended very strong. That was a great first season of that show, iZombie. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, Adam brought it up, but are you watching uh, Hannibal? No. And it's killing me. That I haven't started this season because I was up, Red I was Dragon, obsessed though. with one and two. Yeah, because it's Red Dragon stuff right now. Yeah, and you know the show's canceled. And well, uh, I want to watch it. it with Natalie. I keep telling her that we need to watch Hannibal, but she likes to watch the stuff that she can do something while she's watching it. Right. You, and Hannibal is not so really, like you have to watch in it. detail. Yeah, that's what below deck is good for folding towels while. <laughs> <laughs> Or being on the internet and kind of turning and going, oh, well, that chick's a bitch. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out then. Or, you know, there's like a... Yeah, I watched two episodes of Hannibal last weekend. I'm trying to catch up. I'm way behind. And it's uh, Richard Armitage playing uh, Francis Dollarhide. Yeah, Heather is caught up on it because she watches it without me because I'm like, I'm not really in a Hannibal mood right now. I just... 
I want to watch Treehouse Masters. You know what? You know, Hannibal, really, it's one of those shows that whenever you're not in the right mindset, you don't want to watch it. Yeah, I don't want to be in the darkness right now. (laughs) Can we watch something fun? Uh, Let's watch... uh geeks who drink right now you hey know, i totally i want to watch uh, f- uh flipper flop yes flipper flop i can't watch that anymore with heather because she she hates the the wife who yell oh. talks yeah. yeah well you know we were looking at this house and it's like why are and you she's yelling got that really obnoxious california uh yeah, kind of like, like just affectation yeah it's yeah. just like, honey, there's a microphone right next to your mouth. You don't have to yell. I'm not a violent man, but there's times where I do want to punch her in the throat. <laughs> like, it's just... Now, the couple we no, do love... Flop. Heather Tariq and I... and uh, the other one. Heather and I will sit and watch a marathon together of Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna. Yeah, oh, God. Chip and Joanna Gaines are, like... Natalie's favorite people in the world. She's like, can we just move to Waco, Texas and have them fix our house? Me and Heather's dream is to move to Waco, pick a house, and have them do it for us. And we just (laughs) live in Waco. Jason Jason and Heather are totally on board with that, too. (laughs) We want (laughs) to live in Waco and have them build us our dream house. And And apparently homes in Waco are very reasonable. And we also want to be Chip and JoJo's oh, friends. Steven. We want to be Chip and JoJo's friends, Bill, because we want to yeah. be invited to their farm and uh, <laughs> hang out with them and go to dinner yeah. and stuff like that. I think that we'll move down there to Texas and we'll just have to create that 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 triangle that you know <laughs> create we'll our just, own cult. Yeah, we will create a cult surrounding Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah, I think even Joanna one time said that she uh, she wants to show people that Waco is more than just like we're the Branch Davidians. <laughs> we're the Branch Davidians. Where the bikers just had the gunfight. Well, well, I swear <laughs> the, the same week of the episode where I saw her say that, the Waco thing happened where all the bikers got gunfight. Oh, yeah, gun that's fight. right. The biker gunfight. I want to show people the Waco's not just a place where Branch Davidians are and where bikers Lots shoot Lots of shooting up, is happening in Waco. <laughs> shoot up Twin Peaks restaurants. Because oh wasn't that God. a yeah. Twin Peaks? Yeah. So what is wow. There's Hooters, there's Twin Peaks, and what's the... <laughs> oh, the my kill? God. I thought it was a Twin Peaks, like the TV show. Like, they serve pie. No, not, no. <laughs> not a, it's a restaurant. restaurant. It's a, yeah, restaurant. yeah. Oh, my God, a restaurant and called I think Twin is, Peaks. Is Bone Daddy's a restaurant? Um, there's a place called Bone Daddy's. Bone Daddy's. Ojos Locos. I've never been to... I've only ever been to Hooters. I can honestly say I've never been to a Hooters, but there was a place in Michigan that was like a gator something or other. They didn't wear the, uh, the boob shirts. It was more about the, the shorts where their butt cheeks hang out. I have so no like desire a reverse to, Hooters. I want to go to a place where the food is just really right. good. I don't it care was a, about, It was a Booters. I don't mix I food in my sex kind of titillation, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like guys that go to the strip clubs for meals. Yeah, I'm going to have me a steak, yeah. a prime rib. We're looking at these Hooters. $5 lunch. <laughs> oh, you $5 lunch. Bring them boobies over here. Well, yeah, I don't. Well, they got breakfast I, too. Legs and eggs. Yeah, just legs, there, <laughs> legs and eggs. Uh, holding the fork wrong while cutting your meat while looking at. Woo, honey, come over here and get a single. <laughs> get a single. It's like, why are you chewing tobacco while eating? That's really gross. Um, no, it, was, it was meat. He was chewing the fat. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I. 
Natalie was worried that I was bad mouthing Nicole Curtis from Fixer Upper, but no, or Rehab Addict. Rehab Addict, yeah. That woman needs help. She's an addict. She is an addict. Every time I see that, that thing, I was like, well, isn't that kind of culturally insensitive? Yeah, Rehab Addict. And you're like, oh my God, what is this show about heroin or something? All I know is I can't watch Rehab Addict again with that, that, that accent. Can can somebody tell Alton Brown that Cutthroat is not an appealing name for a show? Yeah, I don't want to watch Cutthroat Kitchen. Yeah, like you would I think Hannibal Lecter. I don't like it. it. I I don't like the name. I don't like Getting the your TV throat show. cut is very unpleasant, <laughs> and it's associated with food. What Alton? Come on, change the yeah. And there was just a, a creepy news story I heard on like NPR. The other day about a guy who was a barber, had a guy in the chair and was giving him a straight razor cut and said, I want to cut your throat and then cut his throat. Oh, my God. What is that about? I just and then the guy like left and uh, made like like he like took off on his bike. (laughs) That was it. The guy survived the throat cutting. Yeah, I guess he was like a petty officer and was trained as a medic. Oh wow! So he, and then he wrote a hell of a complaint letter. Yeah, it's it. It was very like I don't want to watch anything with cutthroat in it. Yeah, you're right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's an unpleasant, unpleasant title. Mishap Kitchen. And another show that I watched is, um, and this show I don't like. I'm just like, uh, there's nothing else on. It's a uh, Beach House something. <laughs> was it? Is it the flip? The beach, the no. Beach this flip? is where people are looking at different beach properties to basically either live in part time or live in full time, and uh, you know, he's they're like, we have a budget of about three hundred thousand, and we're looking for a beach house. And I was like, oh, only three hundred thousand? Well, okay, for your vacation home, must, <laughs> must we'll be see tough. Twice a year. Yeah, just you know, a little kind of you know humble place on the beach side. We only have three hundred thousand dollars for that. Oh well, well, let's see what kind of shacks we can. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like House Hunters International. Like, yeah. Where they go, like, we only have, you know, $100,000 to live in Honduras. Or, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a mansion in Honduras. <laughs> yeah. Or you watch the other shows where it's like, uh, we only have a budget of $1.5 Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. We might be able to find something Well, in California, for that. there's some two bedrooms available. <laughs> two bedroom, one bath. It's like frame house. I have a million dollars. No, sorry, that's all it buys here. <laughs> that's what's funny. The difference between Chip and JoJo, like Waco. <laughs> you really just call her JoJo. Uh, yeah, Chip and JoJo. <laughs> and then uh flip or flop, they're like an eight hundred thousand dollar two bedroom, one bathroom house, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so and they, funny. And the budget is ridiculous. Like they buy the home for nothing. And then they have eighty grand to fix it and make it beautiful. And have you ever heard anyone complain more than the husband on that show? No. He's no. just like, Oh, how much is that gonna cost? Five thousand dollars? It's like, dude, it's an eight hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah. Uh, so uh that's our show for the evening, this guy's <laughs> Yeah. This that's our show for the evening. This guys is what I just said. <laughs> I think it is time to wrap it up. Yeah, I think it's over. I think I'm out of it. Wonky. 
Guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the end of the show. The end of the show. Dun, 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 dun. I got nothing to even help. It's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> uh, Bill, Stephen, thank you guys so much for joining me this evening on this incredible show. Come on, 10 years of the mm-hmm. show. It's awesome. A long it's, time. I'm not going to say that word anymore. S-H-O-W. I've said it too many times. Oh, okay. So, Stephen, you say it. The show is over. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Ken and Adam. And I also want to thank Jim for your voicemail. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show, but also listening to the show. It's awesome. Adam, thank you so much for that voicemail. I thought it was awesome. That was very nice of you. And it's true. Sometimes I need people to tell me that they enjoy the show to help me move along. And you, sir, do that on a regular basis. Thank you so much. I also want to thank Adam Howard, who texts me all the time about the show, and I love it. Thank you so much. And I want to thank Ross, too. I got to talk to Ross today, and we did kind of a special uh, project that I'll talk about later. It was a lot of fun. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you would check out the show at, uh, you know, the regular place that we always do. God, <laughs> uh, you know, you know where to go. Do a Google you know, search for entertainment. <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> send us an email at nimpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voicemail at one two zero six three zero nine four seven two nine, and send us voicemails. It's awesome. But most of all, guys, join us on Facebook our, in our Entertainment Landfill fan club. Post funny things. Be the life of the party. Uh, influence friends, and um, the show is over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> It's over, Johnny. Did you guys know about that Joe Dante, the the Gremlins reference in Explorers? I don't think I ever noticed that before. I don't think I did either. Like, I know of, like, in Goonies, they reference Gremlins when they say Chunk called the police station and said they're the creatures that uh, you can't get them wet or whatever. But I was watching Explorers on Netflix, and they paused it. And the newspaper said... Kingston Falls riot still unexplained. I just thought that was awesome. I was like, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> and every time I watch Explorers now, all I can think of, I really wish I could have seen the real version of that, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. I, maybe one day. Because really, it is so abrupt when they go to meet Whack and Neek. And <clears throat> it just kind of, they're there for a few minutes and then they have to go. You know what I mean? It's like you know there was more story there. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, that's the show. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right, see bye. Ya. Laters. Man, enter only him. Leave now. This is podcasting.